0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. not good in school okay just in church just gonna confess it I actually thought that high school was there to facilitate sports and girls (laughs) That's what I thought I thought the bells signaled flirt time in the hallways that's what I thought I thought that they set up the school schedule on a five-day schedule so that you had five days from Monday to Friday to get a date before the weekend that's what I thought that was my priority and I thought that I could just kind of breeze through high school and then breeze through college. And I decided to go to college. And when I got there, I realized I was wrong. I was wrong. I had no idea how to, how to write papers appropriately or my grammar was really bad. I, and I was never good in math, still not good in math. But you, you understand, I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. And it had nothing to do with my high school teachers had nothing to do with the way that they poured into me. It was all about my choice to do the way I did school. It's just the way it was. And so when I first got to college, I started that first semester. I started taking my first uh, uh, classes, and I realized, that man, this is different. This was way different than high school. And I, uh, one thing that I did learn through my schooling and through sports and those kind of things was, was uh, the, just the ability to never quit. I had a tenacious spirit where if I started something, I was going to finish it. And my mom always spoke this certain thing into me. She always says, Tim, you can can always do anything that you set your mind to. And I believed her. And so I started off, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to graduate. And I worked super, super hard that first semester. And my mom, they sent her the grades first, sent the grades back to me. And on the bottom, she wrote, let's try to bring these up a little bit. With all my work and all my effort, I got straight C's and one D, okay? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had to make changes. I had to reprioritize my life to where I learned how to be a student. I learned how to learn. And, of course, I you know, went after it because that, that's what I had been taught. And so I thought, you know what? I want to get through school. I want to get into ministry as fast as I can. So I became a student to the point where I graduated in three years. I got my bachelor's in three years. And by the time I graduated, I was on the dean's list. Okay, so that's, that's how far. And I'm not doing that to pat myself on the back my, back, my back because the truth was I was so ill-equipped going in, it's embarrassing. And so I had to make, though, changes. I had to reprioritize. I had to cut things out of my life that were a distraction so that I could be successful in school. And that's that's just the way it is. That's just the way the way that we all need to be, especially going into a new year. I mean, going into a new year, we always have these resolutions. We always say, you know, I want to do these things. And and hey, that's that's important. And I think every every year we should say, How I want to do these things to be different than the previous year. Otherwise, at the end of every year we're going to be the same we're we're never going to have any growth and we want to see that growth so as we start this new series before we talk about things we need to change i think we need to talk about things that we need to get rid of things in our life that should not be there and understand what real priorities or what godly priorities are we're going to be reading in Jonah, chapter 1, this morning, the famous story of Jonah. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, the Lord sent this message to Jonah, the son of, Am- of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and give them this announcement from the Lord. I'm going to destroy you. would you like to be the delivery, uh, the messenger of that, of that message? I'm going to destroy you, for your wickedness rises before me. It smells to the highest heaven. In other words, you stink. Nineveh, you, you stink. You are so, so corrupt. You, you have so much sin. You're so paganistic. You stink. Verse three. But Jonah was afraid to go and ran away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast, to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, and climbed down into the dark hole of the ship to hide there from the Lord. But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord flung a terrible terrible wind over the sea, causing a great storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Faring for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Now, it's interesting to note when you look at a map, where God told Jonah to go versus where he bought a ticket to go, were extreme opposites. Tarshish was west, uh, uh, Nineveh was east, so he was running as far away, the opposite direction, from what the Lord wanted. And I think probably we could all look in our life and at some point we might say, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. And he thinks he could actually hide from God. It says in that scripture that he can hide from God. Now, this story describes something that happens, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever been, I know, all of us have usually, for the most part, been in a, in a bad storm before, whether it's a bad snowstorm. Maybe you lived in the South, and you've been in, in tornadoes, those type of things. But there is nothing scarier than being in a storm on the water. That's, that's super scary. Maybe you've been on a cruise ship before and, and you got into a bad storm or, or, or maybe, uh, maybe somewhere else. But, but the truth is, is, a bad storm even on a lake can be scary. Now I grew up going to Lake Powell. I, I started going to Lake Powell when I was just a kid. And then I, I every seemed like every vacation from the time I was a, a, an infant to the time we graduated, we spent on Lake Powell. And Lake Powell's awesome. It's a great lake. But if you're ever on that lake when there's a storm it is super scary. It is. It is scary. And we have been in, oh, man, we've been on that lake with some some awful, awful storms. And one in particular that hit us, and it hit us at night. And we were sleeping in the boat, and, and all of a sudden, the storm hits, and Man, the waves are just crashing against the boat and it breaks all of our anchors loose and, and it throws our boat sideways on the, on the, on the shore and it, it's like trying to push our boat over and we're out, we're trying to, to get everything situated. And if you've ever been in a storm in Lake Powell before and you know how, how harsh or treacherous they can be, but you also know that they don't last long. They don't last long. And it can be crazy, like hell on earth and then all of a sudden, boom, it's calm. You can go water skiing right after. That's the way Lake Powell is. And so, of course, the storm passed. We were able to reposition our boat, tie it all down again. We went back to bed. And then we do or did what we did every morning when we went to Lake Powell. We would always get up, and when it was smooth, we would hit the lake, and we would water ski, and we would jet ski, and we would do all of our water sports while it was calm. And I remember we jumped on jet skis, we had to go to the marina, we were in Halls Creek, uh, and we had to go to the marina, so we jumped on the jet skis to take off. And what we did, we were were heading up uh, uh, the coast there in in Halls Creek, and we saw this capsized boat. So a boat that was completely turned over, and you could just see the the hull above the water. And then we looked, uh, and and there were rangers there, and uh, then on the beach there were body bags, filled body bags on the shore. So that storm killed people. That's, that's how powerful storms on the water is. And that, that was just a lake. But this is the Mediterranean Sea. So when a storm hit, and a storm hit big, people got scared. Now, of course, the cargo ships during that day, they, the cargo that they held was extremely valuable to those sailors. And goods were transported by way of ship all over the Mediterranean and, and still used that way today. But the reason it was so precious to the sailors was because it represented their livelihood. It was their livelihood. And if they didn't deliver those goods, they wouldn't get paid. And if they didn't deliver those goods also, it would be a check against their company. People wouldn't trust or want to hire them in the future because they couldn't deliver on their promises. But isn't it interesting how quickly they threw that cargo overboard when the storm was too big for them to handle? Think about that for a second. They threw everything that they loved, everything that they cherished overboard because the storm got too big for them to handle. You see, storms have a way of helping us to realize what's really important. And a hardship can cause us to clean the boat out from time to time so we don't sink. Personally, I would rather not have to have a bad thing happen to me to appreciate the good things in my life. But, you know, I I would rather do it before and then do my best to avoid the storms. That's what we all want. But it's human nature for us to take things for granted. It's just the way we are as humans. Now, Jonah's storm was Jonah's fault. He was running from God, and God used the storm to bring him back to reality. My issues when I was in school were my fault. I got myself into that situation. But a lot of times, the storms we face, they're not our fault. Now, unfortunately, through the years, I've been around a lot of people that were going through a lot of storms, and I've faced my own. We all have. The last four years have really been a storm for the whole world. A financial storm, relational storms, health storms, and you, you never appreciate your health until it's gone. And when you're sitting next to somebody that is losing or has lost a loved one, it's then really obvious what's important. And we've seen that a lot over the last four years. And just like Jonah's day, this storm, the storm that we may be going through right now or the storms that you've seen people go through over the last four years may be a great time to empty the boat of non-essential cargo. But before we start, before we start just throwing stuff off, we need to know what to keep according to Scripture. So what are our priorities or what should our priorities be according to the Bible? Well, the first, our first and foremost Most important priority is our relationship with God. Now, how many times do we do a message where this is a point? A lot, because it's the most important thing. What does our daily walk with Him look like? What does it look like? What does our prayer time look like? What does our worship time with Him look like? What does our Bible reading look like? And if there's any... Uh, new Year's resolution that we should make every year, it's that that we start uh, this new year getting closer to God to where we get to the end of the year, we're closer to Him than we were before. That should always be a resolution. Now, there's a saying out there that that you probably heard it, and it's, it's been phrased a lot through the years, is that there are no atheists in foxholes, <laughs> which... And, of course, what they're saying here is is that that when you look at a massive risk that comes into your life, you tend to all of a sudden believe in God. You may have never believed in him before, but something hits you that scares you enough to where you really start evaluating your, your hope and your future. And so it causes you to start believing in something maybe you didn't before. And the difference between sitting with someone, going through a storm that knows Jesus, and someone that doesn't is unbelievable. The peace and hope and guidance from the Holy Spirit that we see in people's lives, that we've seen in our, our own life, that's, that's priceless. That's more important than the most precious cargo. The difference between Christians and non-Christians during this the whole COVID thing, it was amazing. It was amazing. One group had hope. If you knew Jesus, if you had a relationship with him, if you knew the Bible, if you knew what was to come, if you read the end of the book, you had hope in him. The other group those that didn't believe in Jesus, they didn't know who to put their hope in. So they they put it in the government they would put it into oh man if we can just get that if we can just get that that refund check in the mail if if i can just get unemployment if they would just come out with a vaccine then everything would be fixed but we all know when you put hope into things that are perishable when you put hope into man instead of god it will fail you every time so 2024 this is the year this is the year to go I'm going to get my relationship right with the Lord. I'm going to start taking this seriously. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to get on a devotional plan. I'm going to buy a Bible that I can understand. This is the year that we get closer to the Lord than ever before. So our relationship with God. Secondly, our relationship with our spouse. The Bible says God gives us our spouse as a gift to get through life. Proverbs 31.10 says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. It's so true, guys. We are so blessed with a gift of a spouse. Now, when my mom lost my dad, everything changed for her. Because, you see, you don't just lose the loss of a person you lose and you mourn the loss of your dreams with that person. Gone were the thoughts of them being able to retire and travel and enjoy the fruits of their labor. And my parents worked hard their whole life. And that was, that was stolen from them. And it went from that feeling to, for, for my mom to just go, now, can I make it alone? What is this life after over 50 years of marriage gonna look like? How is it gonna feel? Man, love your spouse. Don't take them for granted. Don't wait for something to happen before you realize how really, really special and important they are and I, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's just like, you know, I, I thank God for Rebecca. I thank God that, that he brought us together at a super young age, and, and he, he called us both according to his purpose. And, and we've been just such a great support for each other, but she's been such a great support for me. And what a blessing. What a blessing she is. And this, here's the thing. This is what we do. We tend to complain about our spouses a lot, even if it's in our own head. Okay? Right? but how much are, have we thanked God for them? Thank God for them because they are a gift and they are a priority. The third thing, the third priority we have, according to Scripture, is our relationship with our kids. The Bible says in Psalms twenty-seven three: children are a gift from God. They are his reward. They're a reward. And I know there's times when you get to, your kids get to be teenagers and you want to give the reward back. Okay? I get that. But they're a reward. They, they are a gift. They are a blessing. And, and here's the thing. We need to invest in them. Now, if, if you went to my kids right now and you said, Hey, what was your favorite memories growing up? What, when did you have the most fun? When did you have the best time with your parents? When did you guys feel like you grew in your relationship the most? They would, they would automatically they would say, when we would go camping. When we would go boating. When we go four-wheeling that that was the times that we we just enjoyed the most and I, I remember there was times where we couldn't afford a camper but we would inv- we broke the Dave Ramsey rule and we financed one. And that camper, that ATV, that that boat because we did different things through different seasons, what an incredible investment. One time, I, uh, we, it was actually our first camper. It was one of those pop-up ones, you know, the undo, and you push up, and you let these things out all over the place, and then you just all cram everything in there. So we had one of those, and we had the best memories from that. And I remember uh, going up one time, and, and, and uh, Rebecca was traveling, and my, my parents had my, the kids, and I was like, I'm going to go camping by myself. So I go up, and I got way too much sanguine extrovertism in me. I lasted like 48 hours, and I was going nuts because I was alone. And I got really sappy, and I got out this journal, and I started writing down all these really cool experiences we'd had in our little camper. And I found that the other day. And I started reading it to Rebecca. I was reading it. We're both crying, thinking about when the kids were little. And in it, there was this story when Lindsay was, she was only maybe four or five years old. And we had ATVs, and we had this little camper. And I'm telling you, this kid, she loved to ride on those four wheelers she loved to ride on them and she could hear that motor start from like four miles away and she was ready to go and and we would we would put our our kids on in front of us and then we had these uh, uh, big um like they're kind of like back support velcro things that we wrap around them and us and then because if i was gonna die she was gonna die type thing you know <laughs> and so i i'd get her strapped in and, uh, uh, and, and it was an evening, and we were on the mesa, and we were at the base of, of Green Mountain Trail. Now, I don't know if you've done Green Mountain Trail before. Beautiful trail. It's a beautiful trail. And, it, and the sun was going down. I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go for a ride. And so I went over there, and I jumped on there, and I hit that, that start button, and the motor started, and Lindsay just comes running out of the camper. And she's yelling, don't Eve me. Don't Eve me because she couldn't say her else she, don't eat me and I was like okay okay come on come on so I get her on there get her all strapped in and we take off and we're going up the hill and we get kind of in the aspen trees and all of a sudden this cow elk jumps out, in, out of the woods in front of us and just starts running right in front of us it scared me to death and she goes catch him catch him <laughs> those memories are precious those memories are what bonds your family together. That is an investment that, that, that I'm so glad that we made, so that we could make sure that our relationship with our kids and just it was strong. It was it was like this team thing where it was like Team Roseberry, man. Our family's awesome, and it's it's awesome to be a part of it. And so we built this identity uh, within our family that was just it was just incredible. Now, of course, there's going to be a time that all of us go through when some kind of tragedy hits. And not too many years ago, uh, Rebecca lost her dad. And he was slowly getting sick, he had cancer, and um, um, he was getting blood transfusions. And then there came a day when the, the blood transfusions just weren't working anymore. And the doctor said, this is the time for you to get everything in order, because you, only probably, you probably only have a week or so to live. And in that moment, he called everybody that he loved. He wanted to see him one more time. And he was willing to pay for all of our plane tickets. Lindsay at the time had a job, no vacation. He wanted to pay her wages. He wanted to, he wanted to get everybody there so he could see us one last time. And this is this is a man he didn't he didn't have the greatest relationship with his kids or grandkids he didn't have the greatest relationship but when it came down to it and and the storm hit he wanted those that he loved closest to him he wasn't thinking about anything else he wasn't thinking about his bills or his mortgage he wasn't thinking about his job he wasn't thinking about you know somebody got the, the, somebody mow the lawn. Is he, none of the things that normally hit us in a normal, that was all gone. He just wanted to see us. Storms have a tendency to be able to do that, to wake us up to what's truly important. So we know God, spouse, kids, and those are the three points that I really wanted to focus on, but the Bible does mention some others. I want to mention just three others. The first is that God also talks about the importance of serving him. We're supposed to serve him. He sets that as a priority for us. And it's so satisfying for people to know that they use their time and their talents for the Lord. As God made us and he formed us for a purpose. And that was to, to further the kingdom work. And so for this year, for 2024, if, if you haven't found a place to serve, in your church. Seek that out. It will change who you are. It will change you. It will change you from the inside out when you can pour yourself and your experiences into somebody else and help them. It's so incredible. And if you're stuck, if you need help, call us. We'll have you sit down with a staff member. We'll figure out what your gifts are and, and, and figure out where, where you might, might be able to use those in the, in the greatest way but don't let a year go by. Don't let another year go by where you don't serve him. The word also speaks of uh, of doing your best to have a good relationship with extended family and friends. The the scripture says we've got to do our best to be at peace with everybody. Now understand that we have some friends and family maybe that that have broken trust and you've got to understand they have to re-earn that trust. We've got to forgive them. We don't have to trust them, but we have to love them. And so... Making sure that we do our best to to pour into relationships and pour into family. The Bible talks about that. And then he talks about the importance of working hard at what we do and enjoying that work. It's also in Scripture. You know, we spend over half the hours we have in a week, if we're full-time, at work. And so we we need to be doing something we enjoy. We need to be doing something that we love, not something that we hate. And so don't let 2024 be a year where you just arduously go through a job and you hate it. Ask God, say, Lord, I don't, you know I don't like my job. You know I don't like the people that I work with. You know what? You know I don't make enough money. Show me, open the door for me to get something else and watch what he'll do. Life is too short to spend over half of it doing something that you don't like doing. You know, in reflection over 35 years of ministry, in all of the times, sitting with all the people in crisis that I've sat with, on their, on their deathbed, in emergency rooms, in courtrooms, I've never heard once, man, I wish I, I would have worked more. Man, I wish I, 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 I would have gotten that promotion wish I could have climbed the ladder higher I wish I I wish I would have made more money never never when I've seen somebody in the storm of life did they ever say those things and what we think is important now it usually isn't in crisis those priorities are what is important so we need to clean the boat we need to get our we need to Just a a boat cleaning day. So what do we think of when we're cleaning our boat? Or what should we think about as we're cleaning out our boat? Well, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Number one, does it have anything to do with the six priorities we just talked about? So as we're going through things in our life, we just need to go. Does it have to do with God? Does it have to do with our spouse, our kids, serving in some way, our friends or our family, or our life work? And if it doesn't, then it's probably time to pitch that overboard. So ask yourself that question. Also ask yourself, what takes too much of our time? If you're not sure, do a written log. It's super easy to do. Just get a notebook out and write down what you do in a week every hour. Every hour. I slept this much. It took this long to do breakfast. It took this long to, you know, do my quiet time. It took this long to, to get to work. And then look at what you spend most of your time doing. You'll probably be surprised. You'll probably find some time eaters in your schedule. So ask yourself the question about time. Also, what takes too much of your energy? What takes too much of your energy? Maybe some of your friendships do that. Maybe tasks that you have to do just drain you. Now, of course, there's always things that we have to do in life that are not fun. But we can cut some of those things out. Maybe it's worry. Maybe you spend so much time worrying that it takes your energy because worry will do that. Then number four, what stresses me out? What stresses me out? Obligatory things? What stresses you out? Is it maybe just too much stuff in your life? Too many activities? Too many things that you're trying to do for your kids? Or too many things that you're running around? you're, You're playing taxi cab? I mean, it's just too much. What is it? And then number five, and this is a big one. What causes me not to be present with my family? When you're with your family, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about them? Are you thinking about quality time together? Or does your mind go to something else? We have to leave our work at work. We have to leave our stresses somewhere else, cast them on the Lord. We can't deal with those things in our head while we're with our family. So I have these up. I want you to get your phones out. I want you to take a picture. If you haven't been taking notes, take a picture of those. And then I want you to set up a time when you're going to answer these questions. Because here's the thing. If you don't set priorities for you, somebody else will set priorities for you. Did you know that? People love to fill your schedule up with their stuff. Then steps to cleaning out the boat. So what can we do to kind of help us in this process? Because cleaning out the boat isn't always fun. Well, the first thing, ask God for help. Ask God for help. When Jonah finally submitted to God, he was fine. He was fine. God, God, help me. Help me to know what I need to cut out of my life. Help me to know the things that I need to put into my life. Help me to, 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 these priorities, I want these priorities too. Keep them from getting pulled away from me. Help me to focus on what's important. Help me to major on the majors, not major on the minors. Ask God for help. Number two, don't make decisions based out of fear. How many times have you wanted to do a career change, but you were scared to do it? You know, you were afraid of losing income, you thought maybe I'm going to have to go back to school, you thought, you know, whatever the case, we can't make decisions or not make decisions based on fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified Bible says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's what God has given us. But the devil wants to make us fearful. Now, fear is something that will absolutely paralyze our decision-making process, but it's also something that will keep us from manifesting fruit. Because we can't show love and joy and peace and patience and all those beautiful fruits of the Spirit if we're scared. They just won't come out naturally. But when we let the peace of p- peace that that, that that comes beyond all understanding penetrate our lives and bind that spirit of fear and cast it out of us, changes the ballgame. We can see clearly then what we should do. Number three, take time to sit down and answer the questions we talked about earlier. It's like I said, it's not gonna change unless we sit down and we answer those questions. And number four, then make a plan. Make a plan to change. That may start with your calendar you may have to get out your calendar from last year look what you did last year and then take out your new calendar and go okay I want to do it different I want to schedule things into my life that reflect my new priorities and not my old priorities if you don't make a plan you won't change and number five follow through follow through don't just do this in January don't just do this for four or five weeks Make a permanent change in your life. Okay, we're going to leave those up. Take a picture of that. And then let's commit together as a church family to make changes for this new year. Because here's the thing. You know that we finished uh, last year with a series. It's It's all talking about end times. I was all talking about the fact that the time that we have left on this planet is coming to an end. And we don't know. We don't know. Jesus could come back tonight. The rapture could happen before we even get out of this worship center. Or it could happen, you know, four years down the road. We don't know when it's going to happen. But don't you want to live in a manner in which it could happen tomorrow and you feel okay about today? This is it. We don't get a do over. This is our life. And if we would just make changes to live our lives according to God's priorities, do you know how much easier our life would be? So much easier. So, God, we come before you and we need your help. We need your help to make these changes in our lives. We need your help to know what to take out of the boat, what to put into the boat. But we want to do 2024 different. We don't want to do it. We want to do it different, God. we, We want to be different at the end of 2024 than when we started. So help us, God. We ask that you would take away fear. We ask, Lord God, that you would instead replace that with peace in Jesus' name. That we would see super clearly on what we should do and how we should do it with your priorities in mind every step of the Bless us. Loose within us the self-discipline to be able to do this, God. Help us to take it seriously. Remind us if we forget, because we just want to live for you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what a great God you are. Bless us now as we go into this new year, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the Book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, Or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.